Yo, 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 Thought Warriors. Watch and listen to Higher Learning where we dissect the biggest topics in black entertainment, politics, and sports. Twice a week, we react to the most important and timely conversations, often inviting guests to offer unique perspectives. Listen to Higher Learning free only on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, View its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. I'm excited to see how... It trickles into into your comedy. It's, it, there's, oh, it definitely will. There definitely will. But I'm not going to be the dad comic going. So I'm burping a baby, and right. And of no, course, but, whenever you put the burp thing, you know it's going down your shirt. I mean, everybody's has done all of those. And uh, I, fortunately, I waited long enough to have a kid to realize how annoying, how truly annoying parents are. Yeah, and just they're all knowing, and everything is so damn important and then like like what's so funny about it, it's the most amazing experience you can have but pretty much everybody has it so what you you know what you're talking about is unbelievable is the most amazing thing yet the most one of the most common things that people get to experience if you're lucky enough you know right and uh and they sit there talking like they're uh that neil degrasse tyson guy like they got like it's just like dude like and everybody's got all these theories and stuff and i really learned to just I was just like these these like people are crazy. Who I really like to tell that me and my wife were having a kid were people who didn't have kids, because they would just be oh really oh man I'm so happy for you that's great and they'd leave it at that. Yeah. Parents were okay you having a kid I'll tell you right now this right. is what you need <laughs> and blah 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 and it's just like just superimposing their experience onto you and um, did I you have myself- people did you have people in your life pushing you to have kids because I was always suspect of those people. Um, cause I always no, felt like no, being, I, a, being a parent isn't easy. Right. So I always right. felt like they had ulterior motives cause they wanted more people to be a little bit miserable like they are. There was a, uh, there's a certain percentage of parents that on, on as much as they love their kids, resent them. And, and, <laughs> I, no and I, I would get this vibe from people where it was just like, Oh yeah. Hey, no more this, no more that, no more blah, blah. blah. And I was just kind of thinking like, that's what you got out of being, uh, a parent was the fact you couldn't do blow anymore on a random Thursday. I mean, <laughs> right. it's just like, it's kind of good the kid took that away. No, you know. Well, how long have you been with your wife? Uh, geez, a while. We've been well over 10 years. Yeah, because um, that part is a little weird to get used to where you have this anchor now. Yeah. So it's. I, get, I personally love it though. Oh, I like. I actually it, it, liked it, it too because I like being home. So it was. It was like an excuse for me to be home. But I, I think I, most I like people. The whole thing. I actually really enjoy uh, changing diapers, especially because it makes me feel yeah. like I'm doing something. Right. And uh, 
And then it's the best once, you know. How you about get, swaddling? Have you gotten into swaddling? I, my yet? swaddle game is, is good. I got it at about game. 90%. I'm almost ready for the regular season. It was at, <laughs> it was at, we brought her home, it was at like, at like a 60. And uh, I just, what it was, was I was afraid of the baby. So yeah. I, like, I didn't want to go too tight or anything. And, then, and they're just squirming all around. And then the whole thing comes apart. Then it's coming up up around their face. And you're worried they're not going to be able to breathe. You know, that first night when you got them in the, in the, the bassinet there, I mean, it's like every three seconds. Just waking up, making sure they're still breathing. Right. It's really like terrible. Like I actually had her on my stomach, my chest, and my wife's going, "That's actually not safe." And but I was only half asleep, and like every ten breaths, I would stop breathing to see if I could feel her <laughs> chest moving in and out. So, um, when when can we expect the stage photo of you pretending to be asleep with the baby on your chest that I see on Facebook all the time from some uh, of my none. friends? Will, you will, know who you are, who do those? Yeah, yeah, no. I, I was knowing somebody's fake asleep with their baby on their chest. Yeah, no, no. I'm not. I don't get people who post pictures of their babies. I mean, uh, on on Facebook or their children. I don't get people who who like on the back. I did a joke about this on the back of their car. They have the stick figures: dad, mom, three kids, and. A pet. And it's like literally serial killer behind you knows like everything that's on the menu. You know what I mean? It's just like, why would you put that level of information out there? Like, I don't, I don't do any of that type of stuff. And uh, I think especially now, I think it's really hard for like, like the level of innocence that I had until like 11 or 12 was insane compared to nowadays. Like, as far as like, like the level of cursing, the level, well, I mean, I heard a lot of cursing in my house, but I'm just saying, like, as far as, like, just inundated with the stuff that they can see, they're like, these kids nowadays, by the time they're, like, nine, it's like they worked on the Vice Squad for, like, (laughs) 20 years. They're, like, grizzled vets. So I'm hoping as much as I can to try to, uh, you know, to try to, like, just, I don't know. I'm trying to, I want to bring back some old stuff. Like, I want to play catch with my kid. I want to do stuff like that and uh, be outside. Catch. Yeah, oh, catch is the greatest. Catch, it's a novel concept. Catch is the greatest. Does anyone play catch with their kids no, anymore? Catch, I think catch, you know what's great about catch is, is it's a subtle way to talk to your kid, I think, and find out what's going on in their life. You can just, is it, you know, because you're doing another activity. It's like right. hitting on a chick at the gym it, <laughs> versus doing it at like a, at a meat market. Like they're in like a dance club. They got their guard up. Hey, you're going to get your drink. Like they got right. that. But, you know, if you, you're doing a common activity. You know what I mean? That's what club soccer has turned into for me with my daughter, who's now 11 and a half. When we drive to a tournament, I have her trapped. And I take her phone, and she's in the car next to me for over an hour, and I just fire questions, and I try to find out what's going on in the sixth grade, who likes who, do these girls still getting along? And they eventually, they break. They start to because they got nothing else to do. You know what it is? It's like your first 48 (laughs) with with your kid, like trying to get him to confess. So um, no, No, I I got a lot of work to do on myself, to be honest with you. I really got to make sure that I don't don't want to be the flipping out, like the level that I I had lack of control of my emotions. I don't want to do that. I will definitely save that for my stand-up act and that type of thing. But uh, like I said, I'm old enough now to know what an idiot I am. And I'm also lived long enough that I've seen comedians that do what i do and then when something and it's like, ruined there and then when somebody yeah. like no has a kid they decide that oh now i'm gonna work totally clean and i'm gonna start wearing sweaters and i'm gonna literally oh, yeah, yeah. completely get away from you'd never do that no i couldn't no, you can't i could you are who you i are. am wearing a sweater now <laughs> you are who you are maybe it's happening yeah i am i am here's the only advice i would give you what's that not that you asked 
about the no. Eh. If you were a jerk with advice, you would you were you before you even turned on the mic, you would you would have been like, no, this is this is great advice. Daycare stuff. No, there's there's a stage with macaroni and cheese and like chicken fingers, and I forget how old it is. It's after the, obviously they get some teeth, right? And they I never finish so. it. And and this is when the dads put on like eight to ten pounds because as a male you see mac and cheese, yeah, and you well. Really? Then you're not going to eat all that? And you start, yep. and it just adds up. So well, just that's be careful because I you're know. on television and stuff. I don't know. I just don't but want anyone to like, listen and be like, I gained eight pounds. I don't know what happened. It's like all that mac and cheese. You're just pulling left and right. You yep. won't even realize you're no, doing it. I had a buddy of mine did that. He, he would have make himself a couple eggs and had two, three kids and make them eggs and then finish the eggs that they didn't have. And <laughs> you have seven well, eggs. But also like our age group, you, you were raised not to like uh, – yeah, Waste. My mother was always like, it was that classic Carlin bit. Do you want this before I throw it out? Like I remember when the first time I heard Carlin did some sort of bit like that. I, I, I called my mother into the room, you know, I was like, you got to see, you know, I think we had a VCR at that point. So I was able to rewind it. I kept so long ago and she laughed, but that was it's so funny. Do you want, you want, uh, you want to eat this before I throw it out? It's literally going bad. And it's got like another six hours where it's still going to be <laughs> right. edible. And your mother would just be handing it to you. We used to like hide food and stuff. Hide it behind the stereo and pretend like you ate it because my mother was just such a stickler for finishing it all. Um, the last time I saw you, we were with the great one, Wayne Gretzky. Ah. And we did uh, an interview. And I think, he, I think he does a lot of that stuff. And he was kind of on legendary hockey player autopilot a little bit in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then you went in and you were funny. And you could just see him like, oh, okay, this is going to be. Yeah. And then he just like this, the hockey player Wayne Gretzky personality oh, came out oh, that, yeah. I, that both saying? of us he, were dying for. Yeah, it was yeah. great. I had so much fun. I love when he said, I, I like the fights too. I just didn't want to be in it. I thought wow. that that was cool. And uh, it was funny when uh, when we were backstage waiting to go on. I couldn't believe I was talking to him. And I was like, yeah, so I guess we're going to be talking about what's wrong with hockey. And he kind of went into that, you know, because he has to be like the like he has a real responsibility to sell the game. So he started right. out, well, you know, there's some southern teams that blah 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 blah. I just interrupted. And I went like, "There's nothing wrong with the game." And he looked, yeah. at, me, and he looked at me and he goes, "There's nothing wrong with it." No, <laughs> there isn't. It's the just, game's it, the game. It is it's like the wire. It's never it going to change. But they're they're messing with it. Like this year, I was talking on. Uh, was on this podcast, Puck Off. Joe Bartnick has his podcast. Puck uh, Off. Yeah, it's, it's a great name. No, no. no it's <laughs> Top total, 10 podcast name. Yeah, yeah. It's all about like hockey and stuff. And like he knows the game. Like like he can actually watch the games. Like you can fast forward at number two and he can still call out the second assists on highlights. I mean, he's unbelievable. Really? So we were uh, we were talking about it yesterday on, on as far as like this year, like the referees have just been jumping into fights. Like you have to fight behind the play now or they're really – Trying to get trying in to get there, yeah. yeah, and it's 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 a bad move, man, because they've done all of this stuff to try to, you know, there's nothing wrong with just like being one of the top four, and it's just that's not how corporations view it. They just so they're gonna try to. It's like you ever have a band that you love, and their first two albums are killer, yeah, and then they just gradually start going more and more mainstream, more mainstream because they're trying to get more and more fans, and then but they they come out the other side. You're like, what is this? This isn't what it was. This is what hooked me. Yeah, speaking of which, I was downloading. Uh, remember the Romantics? Yeah, from the '80s. That, that first album, that album they have where they dressed all in the red suits. Legendary they are album. A killer, killer, killer riffs. Just a great band. And by the time they got to like talking in your sleep and they had like, you know, the echo on the singing and the hair was right. all teased up. And uh, 
that was right around the time their drummer left. He was one of my favorite drummers, very like underrated guy, Jimmy Marinos, and uh, and he was just had the vibe. He was total rock star, and um, I remember being upset when in you know, high school, like I can't believe that guy left. That guy was like, you know, because he's saying what what I like about you and everything. Yeah. And um, but now looking back, it was like, yeah, no, he kind of picked a good time. He saw the writing on the wall. Yeah, but I mean that takes a lot of balls though, where, you know, because you're starting to really make money. You know, more and more screaming girls in the crowd. They're getting younger and younger. And you're like, oh, God, we're really selling our souls. I think that gets to a point with like a band like that where you just can't pull the ripcord anymore. And you just have to totally steer into it, knowing that it's all going to be over within three years and just buy a house and pay it off during that time and just hope you can live off residuals. I think Pearl Jam, who I love, who have, you know, who have the song that starts the podcast after their second album. I think Eddie Vedder went the other way. He's like, I don't, I see where this is going. I don't want this. I'm going to, we're going to do some albums and maybe try to drive away some of Which these. Which is funny because I, I didn't like Pearl Jam at first. And then by their third album, I was like, these right. guys are good. Yeah. Like, these guys keep getting better. So I liked the uh, the direction. I they think, kept refining the sound and doing what was the that music when it they came wanted out? Was it, was it Vi- not Vitology? Vitology. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the one I got when I, when I first got into yeah, it. Because yeah. I wasn't into 10. Yeah, yeah. Ten was first, then ver- then I think versus, then vitality. Yeah, but um, no, we were talking about hockey. The fighting thing, the thing that's frustrating about it for me is, and I get why they're trying to police it and crack down, but in the playoffs, nobody fights. It's a, the dirty secret yeah, about yeah, yeah. fighting is like it's really like a first half of the month season and guys trying to throw their weight around. And all, but by the time we get to playoff, nobody wants to like get the instigator penalty or any of that stuff. And no, that's the quickest way down to the minors, and it's just oh, it's, yeah. it's so competitive, it's so fast. I can't believe like I watched. Um, I was watching some. I, I'm like the king of going on and watching like games I saw already like 20 years or so right. ago, and I was watching this thing on. Uh, I forget what game I was watching. Oh, first I was I was watching Billy Smith, you know, hacking guys with the Islanders in the early the 80s, best. and I was just like, I can't believe how small and how slow everybody looks. And then even in the 90s, they, they look small. It's, it's unbelievable. And, like, I thought by the time we got to the 90s, like, that we human beings had reached, like, okay, you can't get bigger, you can't get faster and all that. And I just think taking the red line out, no more two-line passes, like, guys, it's, it's like anybody who was sort of crafty kind of got, like, like you remember those, those guys, they're uh, – like the Butch Goring types, you know, who had like the, the helmet that they painted 50 different colors <laughs> right. for every team that they went to. And you just always, how does that guy get open? How does he, like, he's just this little guy out there. And like, and then there was always the guys that could really fly around. But now it's just everybody seems to have like Theo Fleury speed out there. Even like the big guys, like how fast these guys go up and down the ice and how big they are. Um, I'm also amazed by the size of some of the guys. And that's why, like, I still have King season tickets going you go to the game and there's some defenseman who's like six nine. Yeah, know? and they can turn. And it was six nine. They would come yeah. at you like a truck. And if you could just <laughs> right. sidestep, they'd keep going and like plow into the first three rows. <laughs> and now Yeah, they like the they size were like is they were amazing. like old school robots where robots couldn't move <laughs> and how these new ones have like lateral movement. Like that's what they've uh what they've become, and um, yeah, I, it's a really it's a I'm scary with you, game. Though. I did like something about, and maybe uh, partly because that's what the age we grew up with. But I like the fact that Wayne Cashman was still skating around in an advanced age with like a little bit of a beer belly, ready to scrap. But oh, and he had, you know, he had the you watched him ball, go bald. Yeah, he, he didn't have the helmet. He just the he, long the long yeah. dreadlocks on yeah. the back, basically. And, <laughs> 
He looked like he was in a dad league by the end of it. But then he had like that left hand. Still at the left. But he would, by the end, he was even losing the fights, but he stayed on two more years. And I don't know. I miss like. He was, God, that guy was tough. Those guys from that era. It was sort of like, I came on and started watching the Bruins right at the end of the, the, the generation past the big bad Bruins, right? Right, right me too. After Esposito and, and all of those guys. It was guys. like the tail end of Bobby Orr. Yeah, yeah. Wensick had just left and it was Stan Jonathan, Terry O'Reilly, and, um, and Ray Bork had just come in. Um, oh, so you were a tiny bit later than me. Yeah, because yeah, I'm a little I, bit older than I you. I was like 81. No, I, I think like I'm, remember Orr's, I remember Orr's last solid year, barely. That was my first Bruins year. Oh, yeah, no, no. But you started watching way young. I was like four, yeah. Yeah, no, 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 no. I I didn't. I was the only child. If if it was on television, I was watching it. But my parents were baseball and football, so I didn't get exposed to hockey, um, you know, until. Remember the days of just watching an entire baseball game and you didn't have an iPad with you? (laughs) My brother had a notebook, and he he watched every single game over the summer, and he would keep score. And uh, and then he would save them. He'd go back and look at them and stuff. And like that was like your going to like the baseball encyclopedia was like your notebook and your baseball cards. And uh, it's impossible to explain to anyone now that people did that because now it's all online. You there would be no reason to. I'm blown away by people the way I think you got to play like fantasy to keep up with it because hockey. What I hate is I watch so much of it, but yeah. I can barely name anybody's name anymore because everybody's from like Europe or Russia and they got these crazy names. Yeah. And plus, as you older you get, your short-term memory goes. And like, I've watched just about every Bruins game this year. You and still do. And I've nice. still watched Bruins and Celtics. I've been watching a lot of Celtics. Celtics are very entertaining. It was year. fun. How fun is that Celtics uh, Wizards rivalry? Oh huh? my, it's unbelievable. Yeah, it's dressing like, up in black. Oh, that was silly though. <laughs> oh, it's a funeral. But but what I liked was. Um, I just like that neither one of us, as much as we're doing this, we're not going to beat the Cavs unless somebody gets hurt. But yeah, uh, but or this, unless there's a major trade. But it's really fun. Like I'm actually already – like the, the next big game that I'm looking for. Because we, we keep losing to the Torontos. We keep losing to yeah. Cav. We, keep, we, we lose to the guys who are basically going to be there in the end. But uh, so the fact that we got this, uh, this thing going on with the Wizards is great. It's almost like the undercard of the Mayweather-Pacquiao fight or something. Yeah, like a surprisingly good fight. Yeah, it's like, oh, great undercard. And that's really what – Toronto actually is the team that I think they'd even have more trouble matching up with than Cleveland. So at least Cleveland has no bench, so our bench can kind of rally back a little bit. Toronto is just a nightmare. I didn't like how John Wall flexed after dunking on Kelly Olynyk. That looked like me dunking on my little brother on a Nerf hoop. I mean, really? Do you got to – like, Kelly Olynyk – you know, I love NBA rivalries, and the NBA is just so scared between like the Rudy Tomjanovich punch forty years ago to some of the bad boy right. Pistons, Riley's Knicks. Of course, stuff. going into the stands was, and a, then was the Artes big... melee as the clincher. Yeah, and they just they're and actually the worst thing, the one that never gets mentioned was when Carmelo and the Nuggets they had that big fight at MSG and it spilled into the front row with all the oh, rich. Vague, remember that one? Vaguely remember. It's like that. ten years ago, and then Carmelo kind of sucker punched somebody and then backpedaled 50 feet, which should be mentioned in his Hall of Fame resume when, it, <laughs> when we get there. Like, you did punch somebody and backpedal 55 feet. Hasn't everybody done that in a bar fight? <laughs> right. I mean, that is the move. You but throw, this is a national you, you close your eyes game. a little bit, you throw it, and then you back up, oh, and then yeah. you wait till people are holding you back to start oh. leaning forward, like, let me at him. It was a great hold me back. But I think after that, when the people in the front row paying like 4000 a ticket were in danger... I think yeah. that's that was it. So they well, just they're another corporation. So I would have thought just even the the fear that that would happen without even a letter. I think that they would do that. But I also think that the NBA will be forever scared 
for what they were right before Bird and Magic came in. Oh yeah. And saved Tape it. Tape delayed I, finals and yeah, guys and, doing and cocaine yep, before games. And, yep. Yeah. And uh, all the people being like, you know, where'd all the white guys go? Like I, that that part at least is over. But I, I just think that they're really nervous about like because that they were at a. Uh, I mean, they were. I would think. I mean, I don't know enough about the game, but I, especially during that time. But I would think that there was a legit concern about the ABA. I would think uh, just having yeah, more they, they ended up product. merging with them. In like '76, partly yeah. because of that concern, but then the next like seven years, there's an amazing Sports Illustrated article about this in like 1979. It's a big feature about basically what's wrong with the NBA, and the thesis is: is the NBA too black? And you just have GMs and people talking about it, and yeah, the openly. challenges of selling a black league, and it's like these guys are too like an anonymous GM is like these guys are. T- it's just too black right now. You can't sell the league, and you read it, and you're like, "Wow, this feels like it came out in 1882." Yeah, but if you it's look at it, though, if you look at those the, the black and white footage of the Celtics and their opponents when they play it, I mean, it looks like a pickup game at the Y. It does, and it it's changed so quickly. Um, I don't think that socially people progress nearly at the rate that the game did. Right. So we're that, there now. That, though. Them actually saying that, even let's just just take out that they even were saying it in a in a in a racist way, like racially, like uh, like what what they were saying as far as just trying to sell the product. I mean, you you have to know what your customer is, <laughs> and if your customer right. is like, I mean, you're talking like a thirty something year old at that point, like wh- when he was born and like what they saw. I mean, they like were around to see like when there was like you know whites only, like oh yes. Yeah. I don't know, parts of the bus and like bathrooms and stuff. So for them to be legitimately concerned, forget about an owner who's probably like in their sixties. Like that's something people do a lot. Like when they look back on history is they, they forget like when people were born, you know, like when I watched, um, yeah. Over 70 should at least be taken with a grain of salt. Anyone over 70 at all times. Well, I watched, I saw that movie, um, hidden figures. Yeah. And, uh, Kevin Costner, who I love, I got to do a movie with them. Amazing guy. Um, his character, the fact that his character was progressive, you know, yet was his age, like yeah. a 60-year-old guy. A 60-year-old guy in the early 60s was born almost in 1900. Well, how is he more progressive than some of the younger guys? On it, it, I mean, that can happen, but, like, that, that's the stuff that I always, like, think about, like, whenever, um, you know, like, especially with the Internet now, that's, like, a big thing is going back in time. Now that everybody knows the air quote right way to think and going like, right. oh, what's up with that? Like, like they'll go back, like Eddie Murphy delirious going, oh, all this stuff he said about gay people. It's, and it's, it's like, yeah, and you know what? Watch, and yeah. everybody laughed because right. that's where everybody was at because people didn't know any better. And now you look back and the same people who laughed, but they're not on tape laughing, then get to be like, oh, that's absolutely blah, 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 blah. You know, it's, it's like, no, that's, it's sort of a barometer of where, where people were at. There's some... I've watched a lot of Seinfeld over the last couple months because my daughter really likes it. And it's on Hulu. And oh, she's yeah. always like, put on a Seinfeld, put on a Seinfeld. And there's Seinfeld episodes where when you watch them through the 2017 prism, you yeah. go, oh, that, like, there's a whole, that, the whole, that was a famous episode. It was the, the reporter thought George and Jerry were gay. And they kept going, well, not that there's anything wrong with that. But I feel like if you even did that episode now, there would be like a, yeah, but that PC was even, even then, like so ahead of its time. Not that there's anything yeah. wrong with that. It was indicating where we are now. Right. Did I, did I hear right? Mary Tyler Moore died today? Yeah. Oh, man. There's another timeless one. I think Ted Knight 
Ted Knight, uh, your top top uh, top television character actors of all time. Ted uh, Ted Knight doing Ted Baxter. John Travolta, Vinny Barbarino. Right. I'm trying to think of my Mount Rushmore. Henry Winkler doing the Fonz. Yeah. Because that was not on paper at all. Um, just as far as when I was growing up, I don't know who my fourth one is, but like uh, just like unique, belong to the era. era like you know, characters. like like the writers wrote it, and then this person came in and just took it off the page and just like took it all the way to this whole other level of uh, like you always hear the story about Henry Winkler when he came in to play the Fonz. They wanted like this big, like burly, like Italian kind of guy that looked like he could throw somebody through the wall, and Henry Winkler came in like who's like smaller than i am right and just He's like five but, seven but hey i had the character and just completely blew him away um Did haven't they, done a little bit of acting work like you 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 gain appreciation so much more like I, I i drive my wife nuts sometimes like i'll be watching like me tv and i'll be like i will look at that. none of that is on the page that guy just came up with that or she just came up with that like i'm i'm one of those people i'm blown away by actors like the the stuff that they can come up with and uh and i think it's a, a really disrespected art where everybody thinks they can do it oh totally because there's you know so many modeling people- is a little like that too where they can just have this smiling charisma thing for like 7 hours and well, somebody's is- taking a photo modeling Oh yeah, you know, like uh, just things where you have to do something over and over again for eight hours at the same level. Modeling is exhausting. It I seems don't even know. Awful. I can imagine it is. Oh absolute. my god, I can't smile for an hour. Yeah, I've had to do a few just wardrobe fittings for yeah. a, for a show. You're gonna do this. Let's try in like five different jackets. I swear to God, you become like a little kid at the department store after a while. Like, right. <laughs> I just want to go home. <laughs> yeah, it's the worst. The acting though, it's like you read these stories about these directors that make somebody t- do 35 takes of the same scene because they're trying right. to break them down in some way and then take 34 when the person's just oh, lost Stanley their minds. Oh, Stanley Kubrick and uh, – Yeah, Q- in, he was uh, the most the famous shining. one for that. Oh, yeah. Like I he think was he trying like, to drive Shelley them Duvall insane. had like a breakdown by the end of that movie. He just kept making her do stuff over and over again and yelling at her. And by the end of it, it was like she was being haunted by Jack Nicholson, which is what he wanted. I'm German-Irish. I would totally – I'd be, all right, let's do it. You think you can, you're not going to do it? You're not – Right. I choked my wife one time when she was – I forget what she said she was going to – I forget what scenario she presented me. And I was just going – she goes, I think you can handle that. And I said, oh, I'm German-Irish. There's nothing you can throw at me emotionally that I can't bury. And it's true. I will bury all of it, and it will just be sitting there hovering right next to me. And it will come out, but it will come out like when someone, you know – you know, waits till the light turns green to put on their left turn signal, and I'm right on that bumper. That's when it comes out. But in the moment, like I'll just sit there and suffer – in silence. It's really a disease. <laughs> I'm trying, hopefully, not to pass that on. Tom Hagen was German-Irish in The Godfather. The conciliary, which, right? Which, which Godfather? In The Godfather 1, remember? First he one. goes to see the guy who's, who and the horse ends up in his bed. And he's like, let me Is tell you Robert something. Is that Robert Duvall's character? Yeah, Robert Duvall. Oh, okay. He's like, let me tell you something, you wop, or whatever. And, and he's like, I'm German-Irish. Oh. He interrupts him. <laughs> <laughs> So do you know how, you know have you ever seen that house? The house, the it's house, in L.A. Right? It's like a hundred yeah. million dollar house, uh, isn't yeah, it? I thought it was like one of the most expensive in, houses incredible. in L.A. Yeah, it's incredible. I'll show you a picture of it. I want to blow up the person's spot where it is, but it, I mean, you can find it online. But it's it's you can find anything online. It's yeah, it's scary. It's it's incredible. It's really incredible. So did you know that the All Star Game is here this weekend in Los Angeles, California, for hockey? For hockey, yes, yes, I did know. Did that. you know that the hundred greatest living players are going to be in LA doing stuff? You know what? This it's weekend. weird. I knew that, but I, I didn't dawn on me that they're actually in 
See, the city. I knew this that is how I knew you had a baby. The only reason why I knew that was because I did Bartnick's puck off and he brought that up. This is how I knew you just had a baby because normally at the no baby Bill Burr, I feel like you would, you, you would be at this event. Uh, just seeing how I, you to, reacted to, to Gretzky, NF- if you, now you're throwing in 50 other living legends. I know. Those guys like uh, Espo, Bobby Hall with like the bad rug. Dude, That's going to be great. and basketball in the 80s, I don't think it will ever be. Like that was, a, you know, because I, I, you know, when I got to see a, the gold, a, a golden age of football, 70s into the 80s. Like I think the 80s, the 80s was the greatest sports decade of my life as far as the, the kinds, the people that played and who you got to see. You know, um, we know Gretzky, Lemieux, all of those guys. It was the golden age of the hockey or everything, everything, Everything. the finesse player and some of the greatest fighters and forces, all of that stuff in hockey. And the, and you still had the old school stadiums. Buffalo had the odd. We had the garden. There was the forum. Yeah. I mean, Maple Leaf Gardens, all these, but Joe Louis Arenas, which is going to be going. And then you had in, in basketball, you know, you had uh, bird magic into the bad boys of Detroit and football you had the in, great quarterbacks into, into, uh yeah into jordan and then what i i loved about the which i miss about the nba is everybody had that seven footer that they were trying to work the ball down so you knew you <laughs> knew who everybody's you know you knew tree rollins you knew jack sigma you knew who the their big guys were um kareem with the sky hook it's just it's like that poster you have up on the wall like those guys were just um I don't, and also, it's because I was a kid, and you have all those great memories of c- coming home, making steakums, right? And then getting, <laughs> getting ready to Stouffer's watch Stouffer's mac and cheese. Oh, yeah. yeah. All of that stuff was just the greatest. Uh, Much better college hoops back then. Yeah. Marino, Joe Montana. Yeah. Uh, all of those guys, man. Incredible. Yeah, I think part of it, because in a lot of ways, like the NBA is probably better now than it was in the 80s from a talent standpoint. But I think the the level of just – analysis and picking guys apart and talking about them and talking about them. It was much more innocent back then in the eighties, like magic melting down in the 84 finals. And, you know, he cost them game two and he sucked at the end of game four. And in game seven, he choked a couple of times on the stretch. Like if that happened in the internet era, that's all people would talk about for six months. Yeah. I watched that series. I don't don't remember. I don't remember seeing that. Yeah. He made like five, Bad plays in three games. All I remember was just game relived. six. We were up by like 18 and we were going to win it. And I was all excited. And then we just, they came back one of those they came games. Back. And then we blew it. I was like, oh my God, are we going to blow this? And then that was my favorite um, championship that I saw them win was when beating them in 84. And then that's my respect for the Lakers, who are the most successful franchise in my lifetime. They've won the most championships. Believe it or not, for some reason, people don't talk you, about that. But no, since it, like 68, when I was born, they've won the most. That's true. See, the Laker fans count the Minnesota titles, which I really bothers me. Yeah, and they count. I learned from your book that that WBL or BAA. Yeah, that there's a lot of chicanery with the Minnesota. But, it, but titles. what I like about that, what I like about the uh, well, the four of them were in the NBA, so I'll give them that. But what I love about it fits LA how everybody's out here, you know, patting their resume, saying they're a director when they're waiting tables and stuff. So right. you know, if you somehow <laughs> some somehow the Minneapolis Lakers. Won an NBA championship before the NBA existed. I don't know how you do that, but somehow they did it. And, for, and then, for whatever reason, that flag, well, it makes sense because it's the same franchise, hangs in the, the Staples Center. And, uh, well, do you think the OKC fans should claim the 1979 Seattle Sonics title? Well, this is the only we way. We won one. We won in 79. Look, like there's let, no way they would let, do let's that. Let's say the Lakers moved. Yeah. Right? 
Do you get all the titles? And they go to Vegas. Let's just yeah. say they get you know, for whatever reason they they go and they leave, and uh, and then they win a championship there. And what do you think would happen if there was a bunch of Vegas Laker fans, which would be even better that they keep Lakers in Vegas. <laughs> when they're like, yeah, that's, that's 17, bitches. We got 17. And they walked around with the jacket yeah. that had all the banners on the back. What do you think Laker fans would say? They'd, They'd be insane. They would go insane. The LA fans but would but go that's, insane. How, that's how it works. Politics works the same way. You like know, anybody who was for Trump could see how nuts Hillary was. Anybody who was for Hillary could see how nuts Trump was. And But, you know, it's very rare – that you can kind of look at both of them and be like, yeah, this is this person did this, this person did that. Let's try to weigh this out. Mm. Um, I, I'm certainly not good at it. The uh, L.A. Rams and now the L.A. Chargers. We now have two football teams. You're a transplant like I am. Yes. Nobody cared that the Rams were here, really. And now we have the Chargers. Now there's two football teams that nobody's going to care about. Are you fascinated by this I whole think, story? No, though? I think we are. we are in the entertainment bubble part of L.A. out here. Okay. So that we... We see the not caring, but I was, I went to a game, and dude, there was some great throwback jerseys that people had. I saw Wendell Tyler, oh, a Jack Youngblood, like I yeah. saw some a bunch of Dickersons, but he's like their Mickey Any Ferragamos. I saw Vince Ferragamos. Mm. There was some never. I don't think I saw a Pat Hayden, but like, uh, but I, I saw a Merlin Olson, Rosie Greer, and they had like the blue with the white and everything. I mean, personally, I think that they should go back to the blue and yellow. Me too. Um, I think uh, a lot of L.A. gets a bad rep for being sports fans because of the Hollywood phonies like us who move out here and well, look, at, look at it for like two seconds. Yeah. And yeah, it's a very transport. But if you get out to like Inland Empire, you go a little north of here and all that, those are like hardcore fans. Like my favorite person to meet out here is, is a lifelong person, Los Angelino, that lived out here because they love it out here. And I get sick of listening to people bitch about it because it is an amazing place to live. It's definitely yeah, difficult. I totally agree. Yeah. So um, I like the li- the lifelong Dodger fans. I think had, I've met some good ones and you oh, forget, yeah. like they moved out here in the late 50s or 60, whenever it and was. And every Red Sox fan was a Dodger fan in 77 and 78 oh, yeah. and 81. God knows we couldn't we beat the Yankees. It. We couldn't. We were like, hey, we can't do it. We keep choking. Can you guys? Be? I, I loved when they won in uh, when they won in eighty one when they finally got them. Because, uh, like I said, God knows we couldn't beat them. And, what a uh, sad time for the Red Sox that was. When we're rooting for other teams that played the Yankees, and we're, we're rooting for Ray Bork yeah. to win the cup. Well, I got on tell another you, team and all that stuff. That's and why I'm trying genuine. to enjoy Brady and Belichick because yeah. that's going to happen again because they're going to leave. Yeah. And um, I mean, Belichick's almost seventy. I mean. How how much longer can can you? I noticed that when they when the Tuck Row anniversary stuff was going on, and they put the entire Tuck. We did a Tuck. We did a we call it the snow game, snow game oral history, mm-hmm. fifteen years later. But then the NFL put the entire game on, so I was like, ah, I gotta watch Vinatieri's kick. The first game, it's just like such a great moment. But then afterwards, or after before, the fumble, or whatever. After the fumble. After the fumble. Yeah. The stupidest point, rule ever. Maybe at the start of it, they interview Belichick, and he looks thirty eight years younger. Yeah. This was 15 years ago. He looks like he's a 40 year old man. And yeah, you that job is, is brutal. No, if you oh. look at him, if you look at him, I don't know when he's with Cleveland. Oh, he's with the Giants when he's really young. He was a really good looking guy. Yeah, really good looking, like strong. I think he's fucking handsome now. Like a strong. He was physique was strong. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, dude. Oh, did you see that thing on on Barstool Sports? Did Which you one? did you see that video that that, that kid made of uh, you know Bronx Tale? Now you can't leave, you know, when they're in the oh, bar. Yeah, yeah, did you yeah, see yeah. that? Yes. Oh my I did. god. I don't know who made that, but it was uh 
It was we hilarious. Did, I remember at Grantland, we did one right after Deflategate with, uh, with Belichick doing the say hello to the bad guy speech from Scarface. Oh, you need people like one. me. Because <laughs> I, I do think that's how he feels to some degree. Well, right? just the, the honestly, the level of nitpicking yeah. that goes on, you know, even like with the Steelers, it was like there was a fire alarm pulled. And then like you put right. on the NFL network and you got like Lawrence Taylor going, yeah, we used to find out what the opposing running back, what kind of woman he liked. And we'd order three call girls <laughs> and, to go there and try to keep him up all night. And everybody's just, oh, yeah, oh so the Giants, everything's hilarious. Everything's hilarious unless we do it. So, But you just have to take that as a compliment as a sports fan, meaning like these people are upset. Like that's why I love Giants Giants fans because they never complain about the Patriots because they kicked our ass twice. They don't have to like nitpick. They beat us where everybody else has to be like, oh, you're just a Brady fanboy. And they, they take it outside. The Giants of the fans game. look at us subjectively. You're right. Yeah, no, because they, they, like they, they, they did us. it. And I gotta be honest with you, I actually, as a Patriots fan, I love the Giants. Like I've always I and I love the Steelers. Right, we have to end the podcast now. No. I I, I just love uh, defensive-minded teams. Yeah. I love watching them. There's nothing better than watching just a defense that's going to shut the you down. The way they beat our, our undefeated team, I thought we – excuse me. I thought we legitimately lost that game. I thought they were just more at physical than us. At the offensive line. At the offensive they line. Just they just dominated yeah. our O-line. And even then, in Brady's even then mug Tom the Brady game. still drove us down. Yeah. We had the that's lead the with thing. three minutes yep. left. He's done the it second every game single we time. Won. Every, every game, every Super Bowl he's ever been in. You know, he's he's driven down for either the go-ahead, uh, get us in position for a field goal or a touchdown. And what's crazy to me is that he'll take, the, you know, the, the – the, the, like it's part of being the quarterback. But, like, uh, if our defense could have held him, mean, he could have already had five, maybe six. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say, though, in, in Or you could go the other way and say we could have lost the Rams game in overtime. Oh, sure we could have, yeah. I think the Panthers and Eagles were winning those games nine out of ten times. That Panthers no, dude, the game Panthers, was tied. The Panthers, it was like, tied with two minutes left. What's his face? Had, uh, who was their quarterback? He, he had the game of his the life. Lum. The Lum. man, he was not even remotely nervous. I remember when he scored that, he, he threw that touchdown, and like he an turned around. Yeah. yeah, and he turned around, and he was talking all kinds of trash, and he was shaking his head, and I was just going like, uh-oh. He was like, like he was in like that Vince Young zone before Vince Young, except when he was in the Rose Bowl. Uh Except he didn't win it. Like I was, um, and didn't open a steakhouse. I, I was legitimately. That's part of being an ex football player. You got to open a steakhouse. I was legitimately concerned with that. Like the Rams, I was thinking, you know, we had a shot because uh, Belichick was the well. The Rams, all the Boston DNA came in because we had the interception touchdown that they called back on the penalty that would have ended the game with like ten minutes left, and then the Rams scored. And all my Boston, I was I just at remember that game. Ty Law. I remember Ty, Ty Law going, bringing that one back. Yeah. I was sitting in the opposite end. They called a little, they chipped him. So I was sitting in the end zone where they kicked it, where Vinny Terry kicked the game winning field goal. Oh, I was in the opposite end oh, zone. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that TD, he's running toward us and it's going to end the game. And then, like, the flag down, and it was just like, oh, we're going to oh get fucked. God, we're going to lose right. again. It was like too many men on the ice and. And Bucky Dan and all those moments were coming together again in this game. And I just remember like just not being able to breathe. I remember when they when they won the Super Bowl the first time, yeah. To me, I was like I was thinking I would have thought I would have seen the Red Sox win a World Series before. Because you know, we were playing that little crappy stadium. Oh, they were the black sheep. We we were in the upper deck the opposite uh end zone, my brother and my dad. And I just remember they lined up to kick the field goal and it was in the air. Everybody just sort of put their arms out like like just touching, you know, yeah. like in front, you know, your mother would put your hand in front of you when you were going to, when she slammed on the brakes, when you didn't put seatbelts on kids, right. everybody was doing that on both sides. Like you were security, like, Oh my God, Oh my God. And it went through. And I just remember the whole sector just like tackled each other. And I was actually remember that was my section too. Worried Same about thing. my dad. 
like making sure, you know, he's an older guy, didn't want to break his leg or anything. And, uh, and then getting up and the three Rams fans that were there, two of them had already left and one guy stuck around. He said, hey, good game. I said, thanks. And he left. And I, I, I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. And I thought for sure that that was – Or there's a flag that, going that, down No, I just anything. thought that we're one and done. Like to me, we won a Super Bowl. It means the Red Sox are now going to go another 50 years. Yeah. Celtics will have another draft pick that's going to somehow die tragically. And I just – you know, we were, we were just in that era. We're never going to beat the Yankees, so I'm going to really savor this one. I had no idea that we were going to go on a run. Yeah, the Celtics were like Aaron Rodgers – the Red Sox were like Jordan Rogers, the one that won the Bachelor, but like kind of, you know, definitely pseudo black sheep. What do you? What, and what the Patriots were the other Rogers brother, oh. who was like just excited <laughs> to be on the Bachelor with his brother, like just like a full fledged black sheep, uh, like Danny, start, trying they, to start. They, no, we'll go Baldwin brothers. He, he was <laughs> Baldwin brothers. He, he That's was even Danny. Better. He was Danny Baldwin. <laughs> he's Danny. Who, by the way, is great in Trees Lounge. If you've never seen it, he's hilarious. So Alec was Alec was the Celtics. I or think, the Red Sox, depending on who, if you think no, it's a Billy's, baseball Billy's guy. the Red Sox. Billy's the Red Sox. All right. And then I think, I think Daniel Steven. was... Or maybe Billy was the Bruins. <laughs> I think Billy or was Steven. the Bruins. I think Steve... Depends on what Steven. year. It depends on what year you're talking, because Alec was the Bruins well, in the, the early Patriots 70s. the Patriots were whoever the worst one was. That was the black yeah. shit. I mean, they almost moved. They're going to go to Hartford. There was a whole piece about it this week. About They no, were like all the way down the road with, with Hartford. I was done with them, too. If they were going to move, done? I was done. I mean, I say that. I was saying that in anger. I was going to be like, if you guys leave. And the funny thing is, it's probably just as close as Foxborough is if you're leaving Boston. I mean, <laughs> well, 90 minutes to Hartford and seven one. hours to Foxborough. I know. We used to, when uh, I had season tickets, back when they would let you do this, there was uh, a town just before Foxborough, and we used to park. It was a dead-end street. Yeah. And it was the greatest thing because you, you'd jump on that street that ran parallel to Route 1, and all these suckers were sitting in traffic and we would go through Walpole and all of that. And we'd get all the way over there. And we'd, we'd go down this dead-end street. It was like a, like six houses that all let people park in their yards. And then there was this big, like, sort of half a field right near these train tracks. I'm hoping people are going to remember where this is. Excuse me. I just had meatballs. As I, as I described it. We're just trading burps. Um, and I, uh, we used to park there and then just get loaded. And then we would walk along the train tracks that go underneath Route 1. Oh, what could go and, wrong? And then the hardest thing... Yeah, I remember being hammered, always looking back for a train. <laughs> and people would be walking on the train tracks. Yeah. And then you had to walk up that steep slope where the bridge was, where it went over Route 1, and then, then you'd come up, and then you'd be uh, on, the, on the Sullivan Stadium side. You'd walk underneath it, and then you'd be right up near where the parking lots were. And it was, uh, it was such a great time. It was the greatest place to tailgate. But as it got later in the season, that walk... It was. It seemed like it was a ten mile trek. You left out the metal benches that, as the as it got colder yeah. in the season, aluminum, it was like yeah, well, sitting on a freaking igloo. Or aluminum yep. benches, yeah. But yeah. that is a, that is a metal. I'm being a jerk here. Yeah, yeah. Oh. I went to the famous Patriots game. I was six years old, I think, the 1976 Monday Night Football game against the Jets. Naked bootleg. My dad and my uncle Bob took me. The, the one I think it ended with they carried the goal. Was that the one where they carried the goalpost and the they guy got, got electrocuted? electrocuted? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we didn't get. <laughs> We didn't, get, we didn't get a Monday Night Football game for like eight years after that. Yeah, no, we I were was banned. That game. The, we the, were banned. The, the town of Foxborough banned us from Monday Night Football. <laughs> from and any then, night games. And then also uh, was uh, the nail in the coffin of bankrupting the uh, the Sullivan family when they <laughs> the Michael Jackson. When, yeah they had the pay a play contract with Michael <laughs> yeah, Jackson. Was a now I thought for the whole time because of that one show they got bankrupted, but uh, it was the whole tour. Uh, yeah, a local promoter told me 
that what, what bankrupted them was uh, – now, I might be wrong on this, but this is, this, this is the urban myth that I heard – was when they agreed to promote the tour, which was a huge get for them. Um, they didn't realize how big Michael Jackson's stage was going to be, and he ate up all these seats. Right. And they kept, they, they guaranteed him. ESPN just did a, a like a short on this. Oh, they did. And I, I didn't know half of it, but the the well, I can't remember which Sullivan it was, but they guaranteed a certain number to the Jacksons. Like, yeah, no, no matter, matter what. what happens, you get this number because they knew they were going to sell out. And everywhere. then they miss they they didn't figure out the stage part, and they just took a bath. Yeah, and when and they, they had asked, to sell the team, like they put up the team in the stadium as collateral for this. For this concert oh my tour, God. the Jacksons are the reason that Bob Kraft. No, it isn't. It's Billy. How? It's whoever made it. Billy Sullivan, the Billy Baldwin of the Sullivan family. Um, right. If he, uh, not, not, I don't want to trash that guy, but uh, no, we can he, trash he, him. No, those guys are all more successful than me. Um, <laughs> that just um, what was going to say that they, yeah, he blew it. The the son message. The Jacksons. Who, 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 the lawyer, whoever looked at, whoever missed that point. Um, but one of the cool things was, though, was they asked him to have a smaller stage. This is the urban myth here. He's like, I can't do that because Prince will have – because he had this big rivalry with Prince, and he wanted to so outdo him. Right. Um, that was right during the Purple Rain, yeah. right after Purple Rain and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, was, so that led – so the Sullivans had to sell. They sold it to Victor Kayam, who owned, I think, Remington. That went great. He, he, <laughs> Lisa I like the Olson. company so – I like the Razor so much I bought the company. Right. So he, so we had this whole sexual harassment scandal where they did Zeke said these Moat horrible things. Zeke Moat to yeah. Lisa Olson, the Boston reporter, was terrible, and he's making jokes about it at some banquet, and everybody's like, "You got to go!" Like the, even to do that in '91, where you're like, "This guy's got to go!" Like that's how bad it was. Like think nowadays, yeah. they'd probably just be he was doing in jail. locker room talk live, <laughs> live with a microphone <laughs> and video. So they sell. He sells to James Orthwine, who was running Anheuser Busch, who just wanted to move the team to St. Louis, and that was his goal. That falls through. Kraft comes in on That's his white right. horse. It's oh, like yeah. on a people team don't of, on a team of white horses. We were like the Jets with less stability. The Patriots for, and that that's why it's just funny now that everybody hates. And how the about Pats the fact that Belichick was gonna? He was, was going to go to the Jets. Jets. He was all set. He was all set. You know what's funny about like uh, Jets fans? Yeah. It's like even without their gear on, you see the difference in posture between Jet and Giants fans. <laughs> like Giants fans look like, right. you know, they're sitting upright and that type of Jets fans. They just have like that, you know, That's they're like, just if all. You, if you're a Jets fan and a Mets fan, you have scoliosis. Yeah, you do. You're just, you're you just do. hunched over sadly the whole time. I know, which is why I can never figure out Artie Lang. Because Artie Lang is a Yankee fan. He should be sitting up more. He that, should be prouder. Yeah, that should be more. But like when I see the way he sits, I'm like, this guy roots for the Jets. Yeah. He has to. <laughs> Did you think Boston fans were appropriately upset about the flake eight or do we go too far? Because the, the entire country we went with you, too far. I gotta be honest with you. The it the level of overreaction uh, equaled the level of coverage. I mean, it went on for like a year and a half. Right. And then in the meantime, you're seeing stuff like you know the Falcons pumping in crowd noise, and it's just all considered funny and like you know when people beating their kids and knocking out. I mean, women in elevators and stuff. And it's just like this. This went on longer than that. Yeah. This was a bigger fine than that. This was a longer suspension than that. So, like, personally, you know, uh, I, I don't think it did. But I also think most of the stuff that goes on is 
is people's resentment for the fact that we're doing well. Because if you, if you really look at a lot of the this, this stuff that they criticize you for, like I'm noticing as a fan, is like they, now it goes personal. Because they can't mess yes. with the rings. They can't mess with the records. And it just starts going like, uh, you know, you know, oh, Tom Brady's like your, your, your like boyfriend or something, blah, blah, like, like do stuff like yeah. that. He'll or like, defend anything he does. Yeah. Yeah. I do with why, the Yankees. Why are you guys still so angry and blah, blah? It's just like you guys have completely, it's total capitulation. You can't keep the argument on the field or in the stadium or at the rink. You have to, you have to now take it out to like, I don't like your shirt. Right. You know, why are you always wearing those championship shirts? So, um, I mean, we did it with the Yankees forever. I still do it. My buddy Jacko, diehard Yankee fan, like they won the title in 09. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, A Rod was on your team. He's a cheater. Like, oh, I get yeah. it. Yeah, I, it's, but I, it's fun but, to yeah, like but, throw asterisks at other fans. So I totally get it. This is always what I say with Yankee fans. I just say, look, our roided up guys beat your roided up guys. Totally. It, it was we, totally, we outroided which is them. why I didn't have a problem with Lance Armstrong because people were drugging from the front of the race yeah. to the back of the race. So it's like our, our doped up guy beat your doped up guy. Yeah. That was a bit I was doing. It was you can't the ride a bicycle Olympics. 60 miles an hour up and down a mountain for a month straight and not be on something. If you look at the pictures of the original, uh, 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 Tour de France, like the ones in black and white. Yeah. They're riding side by side, talking. They're smoking cigarettes <laughs> right. and stuff. And it's like it was sort of like, "Hey, we're gonna race when we race." <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Can like, I get a light? Yeah. Like I'm sure. Like the, I don't know if they had the time trials back then. I just, I'm, of course, I'm judging all my history by one photo that I saw. I'm like, oh yeah, look at this. This is the way it is. Can I get some of that water? If you don't yeah. Mind? Oh, yeah. here's my water. Here's my water. Yeah. Right here. I think of that now, like how naive we are with certain things. And then I wonder if it's happening with the sports we have now. And I'm just being naive. Like I was with Sammy Sosa and Barry Bonds. And you're like, wow, those guys, it's amazing. They really juiced up the baseballs. Like I went to the home run derby in 99 at Fenway. It's oh, like, it's wow, th- these are like golf balls they are using. Like never even occurs to us that, that oh, this is basically like Ivan Drago going on. Yeah. With all, these, were... all these, yeah, but here's the thing guys. about that, about a lot of that was the game was in such a, such a horrible place after uh, 94. Yeah, we were all fine with it. Yeah, and we all got robbed of seeing the Expos. That would have been so great to see it was them a great win baseball it. season. And, and all those guys were all young on that team, Randy and Pedro and all those Plus guys. Plus, it was pre-internet. There wasn't a lot to do. Like, yeah. we just got robbed in general anyway. That, they, like, thank but God really, OJ. Like, thank I, God I, OJ I always happened. wondered, like, if, if they won that series, does that keep the Expos there? That would have been nice. Yeah, and... Um, so then, like, the big thing they had to hang their hat on was, uh, was Cal Ripken breaking uh, Lou Gehrig's streak. That's the one thing that they had. And I think that once the, the steroids started to get out of control, which they already were because I thought that, you know, the Oakland A's were kind of ahead of their time with that stuff in the late 80s. And um, it might have even been before that. Right. And I think that all the, the owners just looked the other way. And I think that they built stadiums that were conducive to it. Yeah. The same way the NFL has made all of these rules to help, like, offense sells a game. Like, if you want to sell soccer in this country, have guys start winning five to four. There's yeah. nine goals because we don't know the songs to sing. We don't have the scarves, and it just gets boring after a while. But, like, it, like the casual fan will latch onto it. And I think what happened with baseball was they just – they the owners – it's the same way if you're working on a movie and somebody's using – Everybody, everybody knows. Everybody knows, but nobody's going to say anything, right? And then they, everybody acts shocked when something happens. Like who? Huh? No. no. <laughs> but um, in baseball, it's the same thing. There's no, Basketball there's, now there's no with the way. threes. There's no the way. threes are the equivalent of the home run boom in baseball in the late 90s. Everybody making these threes. Fans like the threes. 
They I love Steph Curry making thirty footers. I know you're old if school. I if I ran a league, I I would not I would not do drug testing. I wouldn't. I want to sell the game. And if these guys want to take that stuff, because what's great about all of these guys abusing steroids is they're becoming more and more safe. It's kind of like weed, how when weed got legalized, now all of a sudden they can just boil it down to like what gets you high. My brother told me the other day, he took the pill. It's not the part that gets you high. It's just the part of marijuana that makes your muscles relax. He goes, dude, my back was messed up. I took it. I felt great. I was like, but what'd you feel like the next day? He goes, no, it's fine. Like whatever was all spasm, just totally chilled out. Like they're doing that with steroids. I've right. said this before. Like, I'm convinced by when you and I get into like our 70s and 80s, we're oh, lucky it's gonna be enough. Great. Make, I'm going to be so rooted up. Oh, yeah. Dude, yeah. we are going to be shredded. I'm going to have a full head of hair again. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to be running 440s. I'm going to have good eyesight. <laughs> yeah, that LASIK eye series. <laughs> yeah, we'll need it. I'll have it by HGH. Yeah, it's going to be. Uh, no, I'm with you. Cause... And you can thank all of those guys. And I always thought Barry Bonds was a victim of the steroid era where he was the guy and then everybody else took these things and went past him and now the president is calling these guys that Barry was better than and I always thought he was just like you know he's trying to catch up well here's me on roids there's 73 home runs right so I'm with it no I was watching when Jimmy Snooker died I was went on YouTube and I was looking at some of his old matches and this you know the steroid guys back then the steroids weren't good. It's like what you're talking about. So you have these water weight steroid bodies that just don't exist anymore. Like you don't see the 80, early 80 steroids bodies because the steroids are good. And now they strip away the water and it's like everybody's got a lower body fat, just rippling muscles. Yeah. We don't know who's on it. Yeah. Those are the ones where you just got like Hulk muscles. Yeah. And your tendons would like, if you went to reach for like some assault shaker, like <laughs> your right. entire tendon would snap. Well, and that's, I mean- We've seen athletes that have like their wrist tendon just snaps one day or, you know, when tendons and ligaments start just snapping, it probably means you might have put on too much and muscle that's because in your body. Steroids, as far as what I, I've overheard in a sports bar, was it just it just builds the muscles, but the tendon stays the same. So then the amount right. of pressure. You can't build ligaments and tendons beyond a certain point, but you can keep adding muscles you to your body. If they, if they, when they come up with that. Adding, oh, increasing your ligaments? Yeah, that's when someone's going to rip somebody's arm off by accident. They're going to have like It'll a It'll be like a, the a Phil Hartman all yeah. Drug Olympics. <laughs> It'll actually have, somebody's arm might actually come yeah, off. That, that could possibly- uh, So how are you feeling about the Super Bowl? Um, I think it's 50-50 shot, and I'm not going to buy into all of this hype. I mean, it's people, you know, when it comes to Vegas, you know, with the Super Bowl, those are not true football fans. There's a lot of mouth breathers show up and they bet emblems and they bet image and they know Brady and they know Belichick. Uh, I was saying today on, uh, I did Rich Eisen's show earlier and I was talking about how, you know, the easiest, most biggest gift ever. I can't believe I didn't see it. I was just so a Patriots fan was the Giants getting 14 or 17 or whatever when we played them the first time. And we just played them a month earlier and they scored like 30-something points and we only won by three or four. Like, how did we get that much better in a month? And what it was is Vegas tries to get money on both sides of the ball. So they were trying to entice people to vote the Giants. And I don't think it would have made me a bad Patriot fan to take that bet. I mean, I've lost so much money like gambling on games and stuff over the years. I mean, that thing was just on a silver platter. So... As far as like my gut instincts before I saw the line was definitely take the Falcons in points if they're dogs, but they picked a great number at three. I thought it was going to be six. I thought there was going to be way more pass respect. I I would dive on Falcons in six. I'd be all over because people are talking about, and I was thinking people think that this is going to be a shootout and it's just like- The Super Bowl is never a shootout. 
I think the defense is like I, I, I don't, I, I'm too critical of our team, so I can't really objectively look at where our defense is. I always get nervous about our defense, but like I was, forget about uh, the Falcons' three-headed monster that they got going on offense. Like I was really impressed with their defense, and I, I was totally converted in two playoff games. Well, I was fast. on my podcast just going like, yeah. yeah, Seattle's been there before, and I know they don't have you know the beast mode guy running it in anymore, but like they got Pete Carroll. You know, and uh, they got Sherman. He'll shut down the side of the field. So I'm just like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And then they beat Seattle. I was like, oh, good. They beat Seattle. Good for them. They're going to lose to the Packers. And they just like, now I'm just like, okay, these guys are like, you know, they kind of got that destiny vibe thing going on. And, th- and this is really Matt Ryan's year. I mean, he's just playing. Uh, he's playing amazing. And uh, I, I think, you know, okay, so you're going to double Julio Jones, and then you got to deal with that running back too. And then they got another guy. Like I'm really bad with the names. They got that other guy. Uh, they got a secondary receiver that's also Sanu. Yeah, and Taylor Gabriel. Yeah, who, they, yeah. And those guys are like playing like all pros too. I think it's gonna be. Uh, I think there's it's... a lot of problems to solve. So I by no means, and the Falcons are gonna totally get to play the whole like this team in the other locker room. They don't respect us because ESPN is just going to be going like, you know, Brady going for the ring on his thumb. and See, I, I already feel like it's going the other way. I think the Falcons are getting a lot of love. I hope they do. Which is good. That's good for us. Yeah. That's good for us. This, I am by no means comfortable at all watching this game. Belichick last week in the great situation of coming off a shitty playoff win, which is when he's at his best. We got to advance against the Texans, Ugh. but we didn't play well. Oh, didn't play and, well. That was horrific. And Belichick, that's, that's his wheelhouse. You. I knew we were going to play well offensively last week. I didn't think the defense. We well, knew the O line, whatever he does to whatever, like yeah. the O line, how bad they were in the Texans game. Like, it was like it was like he got like five new guys or something. It was <laughs> it was incredible. But uh, I think it's fifty five forty five. Just they just from a pure ratio with the Pats because I think percentage. Well, I think we get. I think they're probably even as teams for the most part. But I think it's an advantage to have gone through all the Super Bowl stuff before. And I think people forget that part. I, Atlanta I, is like new. Matt Ryan has never been this famous before. They've never had all these people asking for tickets and all these interviews and all the stuff that goes with it. Where somebody think, like Brady, it's a machine at this point. But I, got, I, I don't – the little that I've seen in interviews and stuff, I don't think those, those guys you just mentioned for the Falcons, they don't look like they rattle. You know, I think they, Maybe. they, they look like they're built for this because they're not like – the two types of people that get shook by that – are the people who aren't ready for it, which and is Kim which is not them. And there's people who are like, you know, they want to put on the Ray Bans. That would and, be Antonio and, and, Brown. And, yeah. And, and you know, and here's sign, my Facebook and, Live and, for and, Media Day. Yeah, and sign yeah. and sign a, a three picture movie deal. Those are the guys that don't do well during Super Bowl week. But like I, I just they just seem really I love it. Focused. Keep making the Falcons case. It makes they, me. Bad. I like. I don't want people to think the Pats are a slam dunk. I love the fact that the line was only three. No, there's it's no great. such. There's no such thing as a slam dunk in the playoffs. That's why regular season stats are such BS. I know. Whenever you're like, oh wow, they, they have they scored the most points ever by an offense or whatever. It's like yeah, and they pl- like probably twelve of their games are people that are not going to make the playoffs. It's like right. you're not going up against those defenses, and you get to really uh, pad your stats. I mean, it's pretty disrespectful when a league has that level of parity for me to say that. But, I mean, I, I never get into reg- – my thing is what do you do in January? Like, those are the ones – like, it's Eli. Eli, I swear to God, is literally sleepwalking. He's bored. <laughs> Eli in, Gump. In, 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 in September, somewhere between – whenever it gets to that point, like, hey, Eli, Eli, wake up, buddy, buddy. You need to win the next seven games. 
to make the playoffs. How many games you got left? Seven. Eli's hitting the snooze alarm and it's like, oh, yeah. even nine more minutes. And then he just, then he like, he's one of those guys that's like, I, I, I don't know what it is about, but the, the later in this season, the more focused. Like if you ever play the Giants, you want to play them in September. They're just, they're just right. waking up. To the t- <laughs> they, they look like Keystone cops out there. One of my great friends, uh, Paul Verzi, um, he uh huge Giant fan. And like every year, every year he'll be like in September. He goes, yeah, what are we doing? Are we got a defensive back stinker. And he just keeps ripping them. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, like mid-October, he goes, I don't know, man. They're starting to gel. You know, they're starting to And then yeah, by November, he's like, dude, good. we're coming. We're com- we-, we could do some things. We own I'm- you guys. We've beaten you twice. Yeah. They do own us. They, that's, yeah, why they I do wanted, own that's why us. I wanted to play them again. It sucks uh, they, they got knocked out. out. They didn't. They, they lost. They lost. No, they, like, they didn't want it. Like, they, I feel like they threw the game. My buddy's like, no, no, Patriots fans were just as scared. It's like, dude, no, we have I nothing to lose. Yeah, we wanted it. 0-2, 0-3, who cares? It flips the script. Yeah, the Giants we, are just better off never playing Belichick and Brady again in the Super Bowl. Just walk off. It's, it's like the, a blackjack table. Exactly. Just get the Go chips to your room. and leave. Yeah. Go to your room. Just don't make the Super Bowl until Belichick and Brady are done. Yeah, if I was a Giant fan, I would never want to play the Patriots again in the playoffs just because you want to have that thing. For the that's what you're risking, right? All I'm risking is you adding another it's 03, another thirty percent yeah. of trash. I they mean, have if Brady wins his fifth, knock on wood, I'm gonna knock on wood. Then he'd be five and two with the two losses against the Giants. That's like that's almost worth five Super Bowls for the Giants fans. Yeah, it's like we we. You got to go through some hard. Us, Brady would have yeah. gone seven and zero. It's pretty now, amazing. Do you, are you one of those guys that say Brady's the greatest of all time already, or does, does he need to get the fifth? I, I don't think with quarterbacks you can say who the greatest is because the era's changed too much. Yep. I almost feel like there's just a short list. But I think he's in the conversation now for just greatest sports career of all time. I don't know how many people are on that list, but to be able to like he played right, his I'll best tell you, I'll tell you. he played his best playoff game last Sunday at age thirty nine. He played thirty four playoff games. That was the best he's ever played in the playoffs. Like at this point it's like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. I don't know. I'll tell you what, one of the uh, best sports careers uh, that I've seen in my life. No, no, Derek Jeter. Wire to wire. It was good. Oh, it was 3,000 hits. He has a walk off. I was always scared of him every time he he came up. Every milestone in his career was like the end of a Tom Hanks movie. Yeah. And then then just the way he handled off the field. Yeah. The amount of women, and none of them went psycho on him. No. I so want to believe. The, I out. so want to believe the gift bag myth. Yeah, no, uh, that you what get about like the, the, the nice smelling soaps and all of those. Oh yeah. Oh, and then the greatest thing for just as being a sportsman was seeing A. Rod go to that team just so you they could be side by side to see the difference of how different ways to handle the spotlight. Because I've actually softened up on A. Rod over the years, me too. where I kind of look. I look at him and I see a lot of me as far as like uh, ah, I shouldn't have said that. Ah, I should have handled that differently. Like I, he kind of like he zigs every time he's supposed to zag. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like uh, the stuff that he says, he's in his head a lot. And I just, I kind of like, I hate how much of that aspect, you know, minus the looks in the hall of fame career. I see a lot of me in, in, in rod <laughs> Hey, last question. If you see you the Monday morning podcast, yep. Belichick's on. Okay. Belichick comes on and says, you can ask me anything. I'll answer any question you want. What would be the one question you'd want to ask him that oh, would be the God. most fascinated in? Bye. Well, obviously, I'd want to ask a sports uh, question, but I know he's so sick of that. 
and I love the guy so much, I want him to like me, that I would find out what his favorite band was. Oh, interesting. And I would ask him, I, okay. So he, like, say, he probably say, likes Bon Jovi. Okay, say he likes Bon Jovi. Yeah. I go, favorite Bon Jovi, like a most underrated Bon Jovi song, just to watch him crack a smile. Right, he'd just have to, to answer. See if he'd I be could excited. Do it. Yeah, just this to see if I This would be my move it. with Popovich if I was ever a sideline reporter. Popovich is like a huge wine buff. Uh-huh. So when they those poor guys would have to do the Greg, uh, what did you see out of your team in the last quarter? I would just be like, Greg, if you had to compare your team to a Barolo from the 1990s, what would it be? <laughs> and he'd be so excited. No. He'd be like, oh, that's uh, probably like a Rafina. Like he'd no, have to and, think and about it. He'd know, be excited more, to more answer. More reporters, if they knew that, if yeah. they would learn that information learn it. and then get in there. I remember I, I did a. Uh, I did stand up one time at the baseball awards when they were giving out their Cy Young and all that. Yeah. And, um, and I, this is how I learned. I ran into uh, Bernie Williams and I so wanted to be like, Oh my God, what, what's it like to play center field for the Yankees? What's it like to hit a home run? Yeah. I never did it at the little league. What's it like to be in a stadium that size and just hit it? But I didn't. And I, I just so happened to, um, have seen him playing guitar with a band and he was really good. Yeah. And, uh, so I was legitimately impressed, and I, and I found I, mean, I read this thing, and it said he had this musical background. And I'm a frustrated drummer slash musician, and all that type of stuff. I'm horrible, but like I, I have such an appreciation for it that when I saw him, like I don't know, I, I just asked that question, and he just he was locked like, in, yeah. And I actually got to talk to him for a minute, and uh, and I kind of learned, and I I used that accidental moment because it was I was legitimately asking, I wasn't trying to trick him or anything. That now, like, if if I go to meet somebody that has done something like that, like the last thing, like you were talking about Robert Duvall earlier, if you if you ever meet him, the last thing you want to do is ask him about the horsehead scene or or whatever. Right. Uh, you know, I would somehow try to figure out if whatever else he was into, anything. Talk about the weather. Anything. I think that's other why than in 2012 like to be Robert Duvall. Right. In 2012, Obama agreed to do a podcast with me. And this was back when people barely, you know, podcasts were going, but it wasn't like it is now. And I think he just wanted to talk sports with somebody for 25 minutes. It was really yeah. what it came down to. It was like, I'm so tired of answering the same questions day after day after day. I want somebody to come in and ask me about the Bulls and Michael Jordan and what I, I think about LeBron. The sadness and relief of leaving that job. Oh, my God. The combination of- I would of say more what? relief than sadness. Um. Yeah, I can't imagine uh, like going like such a difference in philosophy, and 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 this guy literally saying, "I'm undoing what you just did." It'd be like if you just redid a house, yeah, and you loved the kitchen and everything, and the guy just goes, "Yeah, I'm ripping that out and putting the exact opposite style in." It would be like if somebody took over the Pats from Belichick and traded all our draft picks and just started spending a ton of money in free agency. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you have more fierce. I'm trading all of it. Uh, yeah. Bill Burr, your Netflix special is at the end of this month. Is this your fourth one that's on Netflix? Because when uh, I went to look at it, you had a whole bunch of them up uh, there. This would be my fifth. There's currently it's your fifth one. Yeah, they currently have three of them up there. My Why do you do this? My first one is not on there right now. So this would be, uh, this be my fifth one that I've done that's ended up there. And this is my. Uh, Were you trying to time it for the possible Pat's fifth Super oh, Bowl? Oh, maybe a little serendipity Why there. Why don't you put I, a little Super Bowl trophy on the bottom and the logo? No, I, I have no idea. I, I'm telling you right, I think the Super Bowl is going to be a classic. I really hope it is. I'm hoping it's going to be a classic. I hope so too. I, I hope I, it's a classic that we win. The only thing I don't like about all this sports talk is it turns everything into such a soap opera that you really forget to really just watch the game and. and, and try to remember and how great it was going to be because then all those 
you know, all the games that I've, I've seen, you know, Marino, Montana going up against each other, Staubach and Bradshaw. Like, that's what yeah. you really should be remembering rather than, like, what does it say about his legacy? Do you put this guy in your Mount Rushmore of <laughs> offensive linemen and all that? Just mulching it over and over and over. And what's the new angle? And like, uh, or the other one with the. Uh... Were we fair to the Atlanta Falcons now that we actually <laughs> hyped it up? We're now going to go the other way on our own freaking story. It's so stupid. I'm going to be late, though, man. I, I got to run. Bill Burr, a pleasure. Thank Walk you. Walk your way out. Look yeah. for it January 31st on Netflix. Thank you so much for uh, helping me promote this. And I hope the next time you see us, we got five. All right? Me too. All right. I hope that as well.